Now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and that he had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief because of the hardness of their heart. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received into heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them in confirming his word through the accompanying signs. Well, something is happening at Joseph's grave. Joseph of Arimathea, that is, the rich man, who loaned his grave to Jesus after the crucifixion. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus' earthly life began uh, with him being laid in a borrowed manger. And it ended with him being laid in a borrowed tomb. On Friday before the start of the Sabbath, it started at 6 p.m., Jesus' body was wrapped and placed in that borrowed tomb. And it was laid there throughout the day on Saturday, the Sabbath. But now it was Sunday. And something was happening at Joseph's grave. We read about it in verse number 6. He said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He was no longer there. He was risen. Can you imagine the commotion? Can you imagine the excitement and the confusion? Can you imagine the conversations that would have taken place amongst not only his followers, but those who weren't followers, who just happened to be looking on? Something was happening at Joseph's grave. And you know what that was. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, had been crucified and slain on the cross of Calvary, laid in a grave, dead, and now risen on the third day, just as he said. Something's happening at Joseph's grave. And I want to say this morning that what happened there can and will change your life. Let me share with you just a few implications of what happened at Joseph's grave. Just three, maybe, this morning. Something's happening at Joseph's grave, and it means you have no more excuse for unbelief. No more excuse. Or, if you would prefer that I state that positively, some people don't like it when I say negative things, if you would prefer I state that positively, you have every reason to believe the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting, and I, I noticed Phil emphasized some of these verses as he read, but it's interesting, isn't it, that even as close as they were to the situation, the ones who were there looking at the very empty tomb had difficulty believing. Did you notice that? Look at verse number 11 of the passage that we read. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Look at verse number 13. They went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. 
Look at verse number 14. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Oh, but he was risen. He was risen indeed. He stayed on this earth for 40 days before he ascended back to heaven. And at the very end of that time, we read in Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 17, here he is, he's been with them now for 40 days after the empty tomb. And uh, they've all been with him and watched him eat and, and handled him and, and experienced his presence. And Matthew 28 and verse 17 says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I always find that amazing. I don't think really it would have been any different if it had been you and I who were there. If it had happened in our presence, if we had been the ones who had looked into what was happening at Joseph's grave, I think many of us might still have doubted. And many of us might have struggled to believe something so astonishing and something so outside the realm of human experience. But he is risen. He is risen indeed. I have a good friend who I sat across some years ago, sat across my kitchen table talking about the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fellow claimed to be a, a Christian, and we were exploring that. And uh, I was asking him some questions, and we were talking back and forth. And I wasn't quite certain that he really believed, and so I asked him what I think is a critical question. I asked him, do you believe that Jesus Christ is actually alive today? Do you believe that Jesus bodily and physically arose from the dead and lives even as we speak? And he looked at me, his eyes got big, and he looked at me with absolute incredulity in his voice. And he said, well, of course not. And the way he said it to me was, it, it was as if he was saying to me, are you nuts? What, what thinking person could ever believe such a thing? But the fact is, whether or not people believe was irrelevant. The fact is, this thing was happening at Joseph's grave. Jesus had risen, and whether people believed it or not was irrelevant. Didn't alter the fact. Joseph's grave was empty. We've probably all seen that bumper sticker. I've mentioned it before. Anybody who attends here regularly knows I hate this bumper sticker. It says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You say, well, that sounds pretty good. But it's terrible theology. It doesn't matter whether we believe it. If it said God said it, and that settles it, then I'd say amen. Because that's, what, that's the truth of the matter. Billy Sunday was an evangelist in the early part of the 20th century. He had been a professional ball player, and then he came to know the Lord, and he gave all that up, and he went into evangelism, and went across this country preaching the gospel. And one time Billy Sunday said, A man is a fool who thinks because he does not believe in hell that his opinion shuts the door and puts out the fire. Doesn't matter. I recently received an invitation in my email uh, just this past week to attend a Good Friday service at another church in the area. And I was reading that invitation, and there was one of the sentences in the email that jumped out at me and bothered me, and it said this. It said, Friday is Good Friday for those in the Christian tradition." And I looked at that, and the thought came to my mind, you know, it's not a true statement. You see, Friday's Good Friday, whether or not you're in the Christian tradition or not. doesn't matter whether you're Mormon or Muslim or, or Jehovah's Witness or whatever. Friday's Good Friday. It is the day that Jesus Christ was crucified, and what happened at Calvary happened, and what happened at Joseph's grave happened, and it's not dependent on what we believe. We live in an age where some think there's no such thing as black and white, no such thing as fact. Everything is relative. But listen, the claims of Scripture are fact, whether we believe them or not. What happened at Joseph's grave happened. And what happened at Joseph's grave gives us the undeniable proof that backs up all of his claims. 
It proves that he is who he said he was. And that's why we no longer have any excuse for unbelief. That's why we have every reason to believe now. Think, think about some of the things Jesus claimed while he was on this earth. Jesus claimed to be God. There was a time when he said before Abraham was, I am. And anybody standing there knew exactly what he meant by that. They even picked up stones to stone him because he was claiming to be God. And that was not the only time he claimed to be God. But you know, a lot of people have claimed to be God. Charles Manson claimed to be God. Maybe somebody you know has claimed to be God. I don't know. There's a lot of people who claim to be God. But there's no evidence of it whatsoever. The Bible says the resurrection was the evidence of Jesus' claim, the proof. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4 says, He was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. It's the evidence to back up his claim. He claimed on the cross of Calvary that it is finished. Seven different things he said from the cross that we have record of anyway. That by far is my favorite. It is finished. To Telestai, the Greek word, paid in full. Jesus said from the cross there was nothing left to be done to gain forgiveness. Nothing. His sacrifice was all that was needed to pay the price for my sins and yours. Atonement was made. Nothing else needed to be added. But you know, Anybody could have said it. I could say that. I could say, Phil, your sins are forgiven. Anybody could say it. But the fact is, the resurrection is what proved it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14 says, If Christ be not risen, then is your faith vain. We have nothing to believe in except for the resurrection. The resurrection is the evidence. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You're yet in your sins. He might have said on the cross, It is finished. But without the resurrection, there's no reason to believe it. There's no reason that it would be true. The resurrection proves we can trust what he said because it proves it. He was who he said he was. He was indeed God. We can believe his words because the empty tomb backs them up. Timothy Keller said the resurrection was God's way of stamping paid in full right across history so that nobody could miss it. He claimed some other things. He claimed that if they would destroy his body, he said, destroy this temple, and he meant his body, he would raise it up in three days. He obviously was vindicated in that claim with the resurrection, wasn't he? He had said to Mary and Martha at the raising of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Anybody could have said it. But now that claim was vindicated. He had said several times to his disciples, very, very plainly, he had to go to Jerusalem and be convicted by the chief priest, be crucified on the third day and rise again. Very, very uh, clear uh, prophecies. And now those claims were vindicated. I like the way one pastor puts it. He said, Jesus, the issue on which everything hangs, it's not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Because if Joseph's grave was empty on that first Sunday morning, if Jesus truly rose from the dead, then it puts a stamp of authenticity and authority on everything Jesus ever said. Because the fact is, we could have said any of it. Might be laughed to scorn, but we could have said any of it. But we would have no evidence to back it up. So what happened at Joseph's grave? was the undeniable proof backing up his claims. Charles Spurgeon said one time, the cross is the last argument of God. 
Now, those of you who attend here regularly know that Charles Spurgeon is my favorite preacher. If I was stranded on a, on a desert island somewhere and I could only have two books, one of them, of course, would be the Bible, and the other one would be probably uh, some book of sermons of Charles Spurgeon. I just love Charles Spurgeon. But you know what? I disagree with my brother Charles here because I don't think the cross is the last argument of God. I think the empty tomb is the last argument of God. Something is happening at Joseph's grave, and it means you and I have no more excuse for unbelief. And we have every reason to believe. Well, that's one implication. Let me share another. Something's happening at Joseph's grave, and it means that those who do not believe have reason to fear. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this this morning. It's Easter Sunday morning, and it's a happy time time that we want to talk about rejoicing and praise and worship and all those things because we serve a risen Savior. But you know, I would be remiss as a preacher of the gospel if I did not make mention of the fact that just as what happened at Joseph's grave does away with every excuse for unbelief, so too it naturally follows that those who still choose not to believe have every reason to fear. Now let's be clear, if you're a believer, if you already believe, you, you never need to fear anything again. Those of us who are in Christ need never fear. Isaiah chapter 41, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I read somewhere, and I don't know if it's true, but I read somewhere that there are 365 fear knocks in the Bible. That would be one for every day of the, of the year. Every day of the year? Yeah. I don't know if it's true, I've never counted it. It's a wonderful thought. So if he is your savior and you're already a believer, you need never fear anything ever again. But if you're gazing into that tomb, into Joseph's tomb, as an unbeliever, you have reason to fear. Consider this, if he spoke the truth about his deity, if when he said, I am God, and then he backed up his claims by the resurrection, what about his claims to be the judge? What about his claims that he would return as judge? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, he said, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Verse number 16 of the passage that we read this, this morning says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse number 8 tells me that fear was the first response of those who gazed into that empty tomb. You know, not all fears are bad. When our kids were little, we taught them to fear fire. I imagine you did the same thing. And I imagine you did everything you could to scare them to death about fire. We taught them to fear electricity. You probably did the same thing. Some fear can be good. Some people don't like it when you talk about fear. Some people don't think we ought to scare people into getting saved. But you know what? I think we ought to do anything we can. Anything we can. And Jesus certainly, certainly, by that empty tomb, gives us cause for fear. If that's you this morning, if you're looking into Joseph's grave and you're not yet a believer and you're wondering about it, and maybe the Holy Spirit right now is saying, yeah, you're right, I have something to fear. You know, all you need to do is go to Jesus. And all you need to do is ask for the salvation that he bought for you there. And then you will never need fear again. One last one. One last implication. Something's happening at Joseph's grave, and it means there is reason for hope. Hope. John Wesley White said, the world hopes for the best, but Jesus Christ 
offers the best hope. Another man said, without Christ, we have a hopeless end. But with Christ, an endless hope. Because of what happened at Joseph's grave, there's hope for you and I, no matter how undeserving we might be. And we're all undeserving. John chapter 6 and verse 47 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Revelation 22, 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Whoever. Did you catch that? Whoever. Whoever believes, there's hope for anybody if they will but believe. And maybe this morning you're sitting there and you're saying to your heart right now, Pastor, you do not know my life. You do not know what I've done. You do not know where I've been. You don't know who I am. And you'd be right. I don't. But I don't need to. It doesn't matter. Because Jesus does. And if the Bible tells us anything, if that empty grave tells us anything, it is that there is hope for anybody in what happened there. You know, there was hope for the woman who was taken in adultery. Somebody who had come to the end of her life, living it in sin, ready to be stoned to death for her sin, there was hope. There was hope for Zacchaeus as he hid in the tree. There was hope for the demon-possessed Mary Magdalene. Talk about somebody who was in desperate straits. The Bible says Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. There was hope for the doubter, Thomas. That one fits a lot of us, doesn't it? We just can't quite get our minds there. The doubter. There was hope for the denier, Peter. And any of us who have lived long enough on this earth will find ourselves somewhere along the line denying the Lord. There was hope. There was hope for the murderer Saul. There was hope for the thief on the cross in the last ebbing seconds of his life. There's hope for you. And there's hope for me. Timothy Keller said the fact of the resurrection of Jesus is what makes the gospel story not merely a great experience to read, but a life-changing power. Something's happening in Joseph's grave. And it means every excuse for unbelief is gone. And it means we now have every reason to believe something's happening in Joseph's grave. And it means you have great reason to fear if you're not a Christian, but no reason to fear ever again if you are. Something's happening at Joseph's grave. And it means you can have hope no matter who you are and no matter what your circumstance. Hear it this morning. See it this morning. Believe it this morning. What happened at Joseph's grave is cosmic in its significance. It has changed my life. And it will change yours. Forever. Something's happening at Joseph's grave. Where Jesus of Nazareth has lain three days. Very early in the morning. How the earth begins to quake. Something's happening at Joseph's grave. Come, feast your eyes on an empty tomb. Come, smell the fragrance where Sharon bloomed. Then the lamb resurrected will come into view, and something will happen deep inside of you. Come and feast your eyes on an empty tomb.